Uh, good morning, everyone. So let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on us this morning as we, as we continue to uh, fellowship together, but this time now through his word, uh, that, you would continue to, um, that he would continue to work in his word and speak into our lives the things that he wants to say to us. My gracious Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for who you are, what you have done, Lord, and all the promises that you give us in your word. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your presence among us this morning, for the way you called us and captured our hearts by your love and by your grace. I want to thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here this morning. I pray that as your word is spoken, that their hearts may be open. I pray, Lord, that they are humble enough to receive what you have to tell them because you love them. And I pray that we can do what we can do this morning to communicate your great love and mercy to them. So, Father, bless this time. Help us be attentive to you and all that you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. If we can open our Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9, in the Old Testament, please. Many of us will be familiar with this passage in Isaiah, and I thought to myself, you know, we're heading up to Christmas now, everyone's thinking about Christmas, or most people are thinking about Christmas, one way or another. If you're not thinking about Christmas in terms of presents, you might be thinking about Christmas in terms of decorations. If it's not that, you might be thinking about meals. If it's not that, you might even be thinking about the Lord and what he did for us. There's some, some shape or form most people are thinking about Christmas in one way or another. And I thought to myself, isn't it timely, be a good time and opportunity to go back and look at some of the scriptures around how God sees it himself. Of course, we're going to hear more about that on Tuesday nights, but I wanted to sort of almost lead up to it, if you like, lead up to what God was doing and, um, and how, God was, how God was working this event uh, in, in the history of, of this world. And so many of us are familiar with this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. It seems to be in a context of God delivering, God delivering his people, breaking the bonds of, the, of what was around them and uh, having a great light shine upon them. And in this passage or this context of what seems to be a, a context of God's deliverance of his people, he then says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And it's quite a fascinating verse because it's often quoted around this time of the year, perhaps. It's often quoted in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, which we believe is prophetic of him some 700 years before he was actually born. The prophet Isaiah says, you know what? My people, listen to what I'm going to tell you. This is going to be given to you. A son is going to be born to, for you. Uh, someone is going to be granted to you. It's going to be gifted to you. 
I'm going to gift this world with someone. And his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor. His name is going to be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And his name is going to be called the Prince of Peace. And when you think about this wonderful gift that God gifts this world, you realize all of a sudden that what God is wanting to do is to bless this world abundantly with not necessarily new ways of thinking or new strategies of life, but he wants to gift this world with a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we honor him, we love him, we serve him, we lift him up, we exalt him. If you say to everyone, why do you do this? Why do you become a Christian? Why do you even go to church? At the end of the day, the ultimate reason is because we love Jesus. We want everything about him, everything he was, everything he stood for, everything he taught, he preached, everything he, everything he did. We love and adore, and if it wasn't for him, we'd be nothing. So we want to follow in his footsteps. So we desire to know him more and more. The, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born. And the phrase I love particularly, well, they're all beautiful phrases, but the phrase I want to emphasize particularly this morning is this title or this reference to Jesus being the Prince of Peace. If you like the prince, it's a word for captain or master or chief. And peace, in the Hebrew, it's a reference to well-being, soundness of mind, this sense of peacefulness, God's concern with our welfare. There's a, almost an, um, a reference to it, our well-being. That's why God is wanting to give us peace. And so God says to us, he is called the Prince of Peace. It's interesting, isn't it? Think about your, your, your year. Think about all the things you've been chasing Think about all the things you're still chasing, all the things you're hoping for that will one day satisfy, all the things that we've chased all year that have anticipated some kind of peacefulness, restfulness. And in all this chasing that we've done all year, thinking if we just have this, if we just get this, maybe one more month, maybe one more week, maybe one more day, we'll find a sense of peacefulness and restfulness. And we chase, 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 chase. And are we there yet? Are we feeling peacefulness? Are we feeling restfulness? Are we hoping that it's just, it's just around the corner? Are we think it's just around the corner? And if, we just, if we manage to do this, we'll, we'll feel rested. If we manage to uh, uh, seal that deal, we'll feel rested. If we manage to get that job, we're going to be rested. If we manage to somehow pay off our home, we're going to be rested. Are we feeling rested? Peaceful. And in all this chasing around things that we do, it's very interesting. And when God comes in and says, you know what, it's not going to be about strategies. It's not going to be about processes. It's going to be about a person. And I'm going to call him the Prince of Peace. That when all these other things don't go to plan and all these other things don't go according to how you wished it and you hoped it, and even though you're chasing and chasing and chasing, still in the midst of all that, you're going to have peace because I'm going to give you the Prince of Peace. That's quite fascinating. As I think about this, all the things that we chase, you think, you know, all of a sudden things should get easier and yet in life sometimes the experience that we have, you may experience yourself, they get harder. Oh, when my kids get older, they're really little now, but when they go, it's going to be easier. And then we find maybe it gets harder. Oh, you know, but if I manage to get this new job, it's going to be easier and we find it's not easier at all, it just gets harder. 
And all of a sudden, the things, we, we, even, even from week to week, month to month, day to day, we're finding these things that when they should be solving or resolving, they're not necessarily becoming like that. And I wonder why. In fact, Christmas time, for many people, as you know, and as I know, for many people, this is actually particularly a stressful time. When God is desiring to give us the Prince of Peace, what we're seeing rather is the, the opposite of that, and people find themselves more stressed, more anxious, hoping to, to somehow finish off the duty so they can get through another year. And it's sort of almost absurd because the very thing that God was granting there to be peace, peace where there's to be peacefulness, our whole experience is the opposite. So what's going on? Well, regardless of our experiences in life, regardless of what we are experiencing, what we feel to be the experience, God's, God's whole purpose hasn't changed. God's whole purpose has remained the same, that he is going to gift us the Prince of Peace. He's going to allow the Prince of Peace to come and he's going to say to you, do you want him? Do you want the Prince of Peace? I want you to listen to this verse from Jesus. I'm not going to get you to turn to it, but I want you to listen to this verse. Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Interesting. We live in a world today where the world continues to be restless, listen carefully, continues to be restless because it continues to live in a place of disobedience to its God. Do you understand? They are restless because they keep resisting God. They are without peace because they keep resisting the Creator. There is no peace in their hearts because they resist the Prince of Peace. And all the chasing in this world is not giving them anything. They're hoping that one day they'll gain it, but they never will. Because the Prince of Peace is the source of God. This is where where it's born out of. Him, someone, a person, for unto us it's given to us. Consider the Garden of Eden, for example, Adam and Eve were peaceful. And then all of a sudden when they resisted the Creator, when they rebelled against the Creator, they'd lost peace. All of a sudden it's like they hid themselves. You don't hide yourself if you're at peace. If you're at peace, you just go out and do what you need to do. But they hid themselves because their peace was robbed from them because they rebelled against the Creator. And if only they were in fellowship with the Creator, they would have maintained their peace. And they knew they could have walked in the beautiful garden that God had given them, and they could have continued to look around the beautiful garden that God had for them, but they would have been without peace because their rebellion had somehow robbed them of this. Their resistance of the way of God had robbed them of this peace. And so they could have gone and said, you know what, we've got to find a better way. We've got to to somehow make this garden make us feel better. We've got to somehow plant things that are going to make us feel better, build things that are going to make us feel better. We've got to communicate in a way that's going to make us feel better. But all along God's saying it's not about that. He just wants to say, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? 
Because what you're experiencing is because you, you have rebelled, you've resisted. And that's why you don't have this peace that you had before the fall. And so God wants to restore that. And it's interesting how people try and fix peace amongst relationships or peace in a home. They try and do it through all creative strategies and they leave the Prince of Peace out. And if only they would settle it in their hearts that they must come back into a fellowship and a communion with the Prince of Peace and restore this peace, then all of a sudden the peace amongst one another is also restored. And I love that about God. Because he doesn't complicate it. He says, you know, unto us a child is born and a son is given. And he's going to be called the Prince of Peace. So Jesus said, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not like the world gives you. That's the kind of peace I want to give you. I don't want to give you a peace that the world gives you. Because I know, he knows, the peace that the world's going to give you, sure, it may temporarily relieve you. It may give you something of a relief but it's not going to give you everlasting peace. And he says, you know what, I want to give you a better thing. I want to give you something that's not going to be robbed away from you. It's not going to be robbed from you if things start to change again. It's going to stay with you, even if that person you hope is going to change might have changed for a little bit and gave you some relief. Even when they go back doing the things they were doing before, your peace will no longer be robbed from you because it's a peace I want to give you. Do you understand? Even when that something that you hoped was going to change changes for a little bit and you feel relief, even when that something goes back to being the old ways, your peace is not going to be robbed because it's going to be a peace I give you, not like the world gives. God wants to gift the world with this. This is his gift this Christmas. He wants to gift the world with a peace that's his peace. The Bible says some 700 years before, He goes, I'm going to give you this son. His name is going to be the Prince of Peace. So, where is your peace? This Christmas time. Where is it? I hope for all of us, or many of us this morning, you sit here saying, you know, I'm at peace. It's good, I'm at peace. I hope that's the case. But if you sit here this morning saying, you know what, I'm not. I'm restless. There is no peace. Or I lack peace. I lack everlasting peace. I lack sustained peace. A peace that continues despite the circumstances. Or are you this morning waiting for someone to change to get that peace? Are you waiting this morning for something to change to get that peace? Are you hoping that if this changes, or if that person changes, or if my circumstances change, I'm going to have the peace that Jesus offers. Well, you haven't understood the peace of God, because the peace of God comes not through something or something changing, through someone. He's the Prince of Peace. So it's up to you. Where is your peace? It's up to me. I need need to consider this as much as you do. I can keep searching and seeking and chasing and running after things that I hope will give me some kind of peacefulness. But until I come back and realize that the source of this peace is born out of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and fellowship with him, I'm going to be chasing false peace all the time. Fleeting peace all the time. And I think God is very gracious to us that he's actually given us this revelation in his word. 
He's very gracious to us that he's actually said to us, you know what, let me tell you how to be peaceful. Let me tell you how to find peace. Thank God he hasn't hid it from us that we would somehow try and work it out in our own minds because we would never come to it. Because God's heart from the beginning of time when he called out and said, Adam, where are you? And throughout all the scriptures, even till now, God's desire for his people is that they would be a people of peace. Did you know that? That's his desire. That we would shine as lights as people who would be people of peace. How do I know that? Because even through the Old Testament, God says to his people, I want you to be a people of peace. I want you to experience peacefulness. Consider this. Look at, I'll read it out for you. Psalm 119 says this. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. That even in the Old Testament, God says, you know what? I want to tell you something, my people. I want to tell you something. If you love my law, if you love it, great peace I will give to you. Because God's saying, you know what, my people? I want my people to know not just peace. I want them to know great peace. Now, the temptation is this, for the people of God to say this. Yeah, sure, it's fine for you because everything seems to be going well for you. But you don't know my situation. The very reason this utters from your mouth and is in your heart is because you've misunderstood the peace of God. That's why, that's why you say these things. You say these things because you've misunderstood the peace of God. The peace of God does not rely on these things. The peace of God does not give us, does not come because of these things. So it is wrong of us or inaccurate of us to say, oh, the reason why you have peace and I don't is because your circumstances are better than mine. Your family's going well and mine's not. Your finances are mint and mine aren't. That's wrong of us to, to, to suspect that's the reason why someone has peace. It may be the reason some people have peace and they are relying on things that are fleeting and can change from day to day like the weather. They may be relying on it, but it may not be the reason they have peace because peace, the true peace of God, comes through knowing him and fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the true peace. So when these things aren't around anymore, the peace remains. I don't know about you, but that's the gift that I want. That's the gift I want to experience. That's the gift that I know is ours. Because this is the Prince of Peace. So God's desire all along was that we would know the Prince of Peace. We would know the peace that comes. That's in Psalm 119. Then in Isaiah 26, again, another crazy thought that always has baffled me and encouraged me at the same time. It's challenged and confused me, yet at the same time has excited me and inspired me. God says to his people, God says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Wow. That is a crazy verse, brothers and sisters. That is both inspirational and yet at the same time, like, bang, like confrontational. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, fixed on you, because he trusts in you. Wow. Firstly, what is perfect peace? I mean, this is God's gift to you. This is God's gift to me. A perfect peace. I say I'll give you a million dollars, I'll give you perfect peace. You'd be crazy not to accept perfect peace. 
So God says, I'll give you perfect peace to those whose mind are stayed or fixed on him because they trust in him. Their whole life is an understanding of who God is and they are prepared to set their hearts in a full trust in the God who loves them, who's cared for them, who's called them and who covers them. So God all along desired that his people would have peace. All along. And that's, that's only two scriptures that I can share with you. There's more in the Old Testament that reveals God's heart that he wants peace for his people. So we go from Isaiah saying the Prince of Peace and then we, go, we fast forward 700 years later and all of a sudden God decides to reiterate this, to reinforce this to some very humble shepherds. Very humble shepherds. Yeah, so go with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's see God, how God there says, you know what? I'm going to bring this to fruition now. I'm going to show everyone how this wonderful peacefulness is going to exist. And now the call for every human being, not just the people of Israel, but every human being to come and receive the Prince of Peace. And he decides what? Not to show it to kings, because what a king's going to do with it, probably hide it and keep it for themselves. But he decides to show it to very humble shepherds, just doing what shepherds do. I always find that amazing about God. I always find it amazing that God does things in ways that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need a big audience. He doesn't, he's not looking for a massive audience. He just finds the faithful people because he knows the faithful people will go out and do what needs to be done. So he finds these very humble shepherds. And in chapter 2, we know, we're familiar with this story. In chapter 2, uh, in verse, uh, starting from verse 8, um, the Bible says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Get ready, all people. Get ready. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, be it a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Interesting. It took a multitude of angels to tell the shepherds this. It could have just been the few angels that were talking to them. But God in his wisdom decides, you know what, I'm about to announce the most significant thing to these shepherds. I'm about to tell them that peace is going to come on this earth and the best way I want to do that is to bring the choir of heaven. And the hosts, the multitudes of hosts of heaven to announce that all of a sudden glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Is that not God's greatest gift to this world? A world that is restless? A world that is without peace? 
a world that is chasing peace, a world that is always hoping to find peace. And yet God says, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to gift this world. I'm going to gift this world with the Prince of Peace. Stop rebelling. Stop resisting. Stop cutting corners. Stop compromising. Because all these things are robbing you of this fellowship with the Prince of Peace. And all you're putting your hope in so that you don't have to restore this with God, you're hoping that other strategies may somehow find you this peace, but it never will. It will be a false peace. Because once those things go, your peace is robbed again. But come to the source himself, the Prince of Peace, this Christmas or any day, and find the everlasting peace in Christ. You see, this world will offer you all kinds of peace. But it's fleeting It's passing. Our governments will put things in place that will secure peace. Our our authorities, our police will put things in place that will secure our peace. Our, uh, Our employers will do the same thing. Our parents will do the same thing. People will put things in place to guarantee peace. But Jesus said, I give you a different peace. Not that we don't need these things. These things are good and, and it's great that they are there. But when these things break down, all these things become broken, then the Prince of Peace remains. And he says, I want to give you this peace. I want to give you this peace. When people don't turn out the way you hoped them to be, or people don't become the way you like them to be, Jesus says, I still give you my peace. And this is the peace that's on this earth. So I want to... In the few minutes I have left, I want to just remind you of a few things that are important about this, this um, uh, fellowship, this knowing him and being in fellowship with this gift that God gives to a restless world, that you would stop running and that you would return to the Prince of Peace. The first thing, beloved, is that it comes down. When God says, for unto us a child is born, and when Jesus says, when God says there is peace on this earth, it happens because the first peace you and me, and that we all need, the very first peace is a peace that comes between you and your Creator where that relationship is restored. And if you have no restored relationship to God, if you have no forgiveness with that restored relationship with God, then you cannot, you cannot know peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Having been justified by faith. You get that? Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a remarkable verse because you've come and decided, you know what, I know that I'm not right with God and the only way I'm going to be right with God is if I put my faith and trust and life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for me. God says, I see that and now you have peace with me because you've trusted my son, the Prince of Peace. And everything he did on the cross, and every way he expressed his love for you, and everything he did, every drop of blood he shed for you, he did it so you can know the Father and your peace with the Father can be restored. So he says, you've got to be restored. You've got to know the peace that comes through knowing Jesus and the forgiveness that we have in him. That's why we say that we can have, if there is no forgiveness, there is no Peace. Are you happy to live in a place of unforgiveness? Are you happy to live in a place that knows 
not this peace? When Jesus said, very simply, come unto me, come unto me, those who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One of the problems why I think people struggle to find forgiveness or come to God with, to, for forgiveness is because if you know enough, you realize it's going to require repentance. And one of the reasons why people find it hard to come to a place of repentance in order to get forgiveness is because they know it's going to require a life that is changed and they don't want that. Some, in some absurd way, the enemy has convinced them that better they are where they are in rebellion to God than to have a life transformed and changed and surrendered to a God who is the Prince of Peace. It's absurd. But somehow they find more satisfaction or safety in being in a place of rebellion. Yes, repentance does require commitment. Yes, repentance does require a surrendered life. But I tell you the truth, in it comes the Prince of Peace. So there is restoration that comes through forgiveness that is absolutely critical. From that, beloved, we have the favour of God upon us. Did you know that? And all of a sudden, we don't have to start hoping that we can find the right strategies, the right strategies to have peace, but rather we found it in our favor with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, that this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and being in fellowship with him all of a sudden gives birth to the peace within our hearts. This is why... We can continue to be creative in all the strategies of life. But until the fruit of the Spirit or the Spirit of God is born within us and we have favor with God, all these strategies will come and go. I'll be fleeting, hopeful, relieving us for a while. And they will bring relief. Trust me, your strategies will bring relief until the next complication comes. And they seem like they're the right thing. However, the Prince of Peace, what he's, what he's offering is one that is sustained, one where we hold on. We find him as our source. It's born from within. You know why, beloved? Because all of a sudden we find rest in not what we can accomplish or how much we can change our circumstances, but we find rest in the faithfulness and in the goodness and in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? That's where we find our rest. And the more you can fix your gaze on his faithfulness, listen carefully, and the more you can fix your gaze on his loveliness and his capability and his protection and care on your life, the more you can fix your gaze, meaning your heart, your trust, your rest on him and who he is, the more you find your peace. You've got to believe that, beloved. I'm going to try and illustrate it to you, and I'm probably going to do a really, really bad job at this illustration, right? But I'm going to try. I was thinking, how can I illustrate what I'm trying to say here? I don't know if you, if you like, if some of you might like some nature walks. You go off and you do some walks in nature, and you come across sometimes a bridge. 
and you might be a very high bridge. Just imagine it's a very high bridge and there's, you know, there's water that's rushing, let's say, meters below you. You know it's quite dangerous for you to fall off this bridge. And there are some bridges you come across and you think, oh, should I cross them? You know, because maybe the, the rope's looking a bit weathered. It's, it's, it's very wobbly. And there might be a few planks missing. And as you move, you're kind of you're thinking, oh, this is probably not a good idea. You think to yourself... There's no security. In fact, you ought to feel very nervous because there's no confidence in the security of this bridge. So you will be anxious because all you can fix your gaze on is its looseness and the problems underneath. But I tell you the truth, you come across another bridge that's full of steel, metal, reinforcements, concrete, all those sorts of things. You walk over there, you don't even think twice about falling in. You look at it and you think, without a doubt, let's just go. Go over the bridge. Because all of a sudden, there is no doubt in what you're crossing over. Let me say you again. The more you are able to fix our gaze on the faithfulness of the Lord, on the loveliness of the Lord, on the security, power, love and care of the Lord, the more we can fix our gaze and rest our hearts on Him, the Prince of Peace, the more you will know peace. So guess what the enemy is going to whisper? All kinds of lies about him. All kinds of lies about his faithfulness. All kinds of lies about his abilities. All kinds of lies about his promises. All kinds of lies about him. So your eyes can come off the Lord. It's a remarkable thing God gives when he gives peace. When I came out, I had the privilege last week to visit some men in prison. And when I came out, it just occurred to me again, boy, you know, how do they sustain that peace? These Christian men, how do they sustain it? Well, it's got to be in this. It's got to be in their relationship with the Prince of Peace. It's got to be wholly set their hearts on the one who is their source of peace. Because they know the Father, they know the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are in constant fellowship with him. This is your peace. Beloved, are you resisting this relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about any relationship. I'm talking about a relationship that is completely surrendered to who he is, what he is, and everything he says for you. And every time we find an excuse for our behavior and every time we find an excuse for our sin, we rob ourselves of this peace. You know why? Because all of a sudden we grieve the Spirit of God in us who is the birth of our peace. So yeah, we can cut corners. We can go, oh, this would be nice. I can do this. I'm allowed to do this. Or, or we, can cut, we can compromise sin. Oh, you know, no one saw me. Are you serious? You're robbed. Of your peace. And then you wrestle why. Then you wonder why do I chase and chase and chase and chase and I'm restless. And all of a sudden it's because we compromise. Little things here and there. We don't completely surrender to relationship with the source himself, the Prince of Peace. And we rob ourselves. We forfeit. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Yeah, you familiar with that song? What needless pain we bear. And so the Lord, our Prince of Peace, becomes for us our very source because we know him and we are in relationship 
with him. And that's why people find it hard. Have you ever wondered? It's very simple. The Bible is very simple. It says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And you ever wondered why people find it so hard to cast their cares upon him? It's not because they don't want to. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to cast their cares upon the Lord because he cares for us? In that we find peace because we've fixed our gaze upon him. But people find it hard to cast their cares upon him because we are people who think that our peace will come from other things. We are people who think that our circumstances just need to change. Or we are people who think we've got to keep control of this. We need to somehow maintain control of this. And I'm not talking about not taking responsibility for things. For sure, we must take responsibility for things. But we find our hearts arrested in the midst of that responsibility. Our hearts arrested in the Prince of Peace. We cross knowing He's got us. We trust knowing he's got us. We surrender knowing he's got us. I'll finish with this. The Bible says in James, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I don't know about you, but God wants to gift this world this Christmas. He wants to gift this world with the Prince of Peace. And you may be still this morning determined to chase an unreachable peace. Despite what you've heard, you may be still determined in your mind and heart to chase an unreachable peace. You may still be satisfied living in some strange way, in some strange way, in a place of unrest. But if you're not satisfied anymore and you don't want this to continue, this chase to continue, then I just want to give you what God gives us, what God gives me. I want to give you his gift as the Prince of Peace. That if we come into a place of relationship and surrender to him, a place of relationship and fellowship with him, what he says is, I, I give you my peace. Not that the world gives. I give you my peace. Let me pray for us. Let's pray this morning. As we pray this morning, uh, brothers and sisters, I want to pray for you, and particularly for those who desire to know and to be in fellowship with the Prince of Peace. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I know that God knows your heart. God knows where you're at. But if that's your prayer this morning, I want to pray with you that you would come and stop resisting or rebelling against the Prince of Peace. That you would look and fix your gaze on what he did for you on the cross that you would consider every blood, every drop of blood shed for you was there to bring you peace, to restore you to the Father and to know an everlasting peace. We've all lived long enough to know that circumstances are always changing. People are always changing. Promises are always broken. But I ask you this morning to come to the very source of peace. 
not just this Christmas, but forever. Come and allow the Prince of Peace to have birth in your heart, a sustained peace through all trials and temptations. Father in heaven, Lord, we look to you this morning as our Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father, for promising him to us hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And for him to be born that we may know you and find our peace in you, Lord. Father, it's a very troubled world, the very restless world we live in that constantly is chasing and never finding. And Father, I pray, but in this place, in this house, in this room, we may come to you this morning and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways that you may come, Lord, and heal the land of our hearts. Father, I pray for those who deep down are dissatisfied with where they are at. I pray for those this morning who are restless and wanted to change. That they would come humbly before you, Jesus. They would confess all resistance, all rebellion. And they would come to the foot of the cross and receive all that you want to give them. That they may go and be in fellowship with you and in complete surrender to all you are. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love for us. Thank you for the way you care for us. How you never give up on your people. And Father, I come in a place of complete surrender to you because I know, Lord God, there's nothing else and no one else that I desire but you. Bless this church. Bless the week ahead of us. Bless all the fellowship that we will have today, Tuesday, and every other day that you may be glorified and lifted up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.